nobody is born a racist. It's something that we learned. Hello, 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 and welcome. Welcome to the Quest Show. I am Lana Quest, and I am glad you guys have made it today. Thank you to my friends and my family for coming back. Um, it's interesting. I used to do these shows every single week. However, uh, they've um, dwindled down to like uh, maybe twice a month. I don't know. It's a lot of work. I'm tired, I'm busy, and I jacked up my hand. So that is that. So um, without further ado, um, let's get into the show. Uh, so before we get into the show, please uh, rate, review, share the show, all that good stuff. Um, and let's get into it. On today, we will be talking about environmental Racism and climate injustice. Two things that the black community, black and brown community, we really don't focus on. We focus on, you know, uh, the criminal justice system, uh, systemic racism, but all around us is the environment and the climate. And there is injustice and racism and those things as well. So let's just uh, take a minute to talk about what they are um, because some people get like climate, temperature mixed up, um, the environment, climate mixed up. So let's just uh, straighten all that out. Uh, so first of all, um, climate is a part of the environment, a subset of the environmental conditions which also include geography, chemistry, culture, economy, biology. So all those things are a subset of the environment in which we live. And the climate is a part of the environment. So that means like the environment can cause conditions that will change the climate. For instance, if the environment that you live in is, uh, say, spray cans. You know how now they're saying that spray cans destroy the ozone layer. So if your environment is constantly spraying spray cans and spray deodorant and things of that nature, that means that the environment is actually affecting the climate, which is the ozone layer, right? The ozone layer um, is the protection. And, you know, I'm not a science genius, so don't quote me, quote me on any of this. But like, from what I understand, the ozone layer is a layer of protection that we have. And the more that the ozone layer breaks down, it's like the more dangerous the sun becomes. Like, so, you know, black folks out here, you know, years ago, we really didn't have to use suntan lotion. The sun didn't bother us like that years ago when I was a kid. Now the sun has gotten so strong that even us, the people with the melanin, we need suntan lotion because we will burn from that sun. So that's what I mean by your environment, the things that you're doing in the environment, the toxins that you're, excuse me, creating um, have a direct effect on 
the climate. Um, so, right. So it's the interactions between all of those components, you know, those biology, economy, culture, chemistry, all those things. Um, so climate affects and is affected by the environment. And that's what I just explained to you, how if you're using spray cans or toxins and, and things that go up into the air, that affects the ozone layer, which in turn affects the climate, uh, which impacts the people of color the most. And I'm going to explain to you how. So environmental racism disproportionately impact people of color by environmental hazards. People of color are more likely to die from environmental causes. And we probably don't even know it. Matter of fact, we don't even know it. For instance, let's talk about environment and climate. Climate, heat waves, right? So there's a heat wave. However, we're living in an environment where people of color are more often than not living in uh, low-income housing, right? A lot of us. Um, so that would be brick buildings or apartment buildings where there is not a lot of trees. There are not a lot of parks next to the places where people of color live and low-income people live. There are not parks. There are not cooling stations. There are no pools. So what do people of color do when there is a heat wave? So just imagine living in a brick apartment building during a heat wave. Do you know the heat <laughs> that is emanating from those apartments? Just imagine. So that means that someone with high blood pressure is literally dying in there right? Their limbs are probably going to swell up from the excess water because they're not intaking en enough water because they're so hot. Can cause a heart attack, can cause stroke. So oftentimes, you know, black people are dying from things like asthma, heart attacks, cancer, but it's secondary to their environment oftentimes. Sometimes, you know, doctors, people want to put it on, you know, it's the way people of color eat. <laughs> You're eating hog mogs, uh, pig feet, or <laughs> I don't know, pickle pig feet, chitlins, whatever. <laughs> you know, charcoaling, charcoaling, barbecue, uh, fatty foods. Yes, those things are bad. Don't get me wrong. They are bad. However, you're still... You still have to look at your living conditions that are contributing to your health conditions as well. So on top of maybe not eating the best, you're not living in an environment that is conducive to good health. More than half of people of color live close to hazardous waste. What happens when you're living close to hazardous wastes? <laughs> that could cause lung cancer. Again, asthma, toxins in the soil. And you know, Republicans hate regulations. So what happened when Trump was president? They took all the regulations from companies and corporations. So they just started dumping. I mean, they've always been dumping for the longest time. But where do they dump? They're not dumping in the suburbs. They never do. They dump in the poorest location. 
the poorest locales. They're dumping toxins into the soil. I mean, look at Flint. I don't even know if Flint has clean water yet to date. Imagine that. Not having clean water because of what the government is doing to the people of color. Because we've always been seen as disposable. They don't care. For instance, there was a methane leak um, in a wealthy part of uh, Los Angeles. I don't remember the year. Whatever the case is, I probably don't remember the year because the government took care of it so fast, just so quick, right? Because of the wealth, right? You, You don't want the rich people complaining. But the poor people, it's okay. It's okay to dump. It's okay to dump uh, pollutions and toxins into the soil. You know why? Because oftentimes people of color, we're so accustomed to living in that way. You know, your parents lived in the projects. Your parents' parents may have lived in the projects. Now you're living in the projects or you've always lived next to a dumping site or within miles of a, a dumping site. You're used to the smell. But your body's not used to that. You may be used to the smell, but your body is definitely not used to the chemicals that's coming with that smell. So I watched a documentary with Soledad O'Brien, and I don't remember if it was Mississippi or Georgia. Excuse me. And she went to visit this family and I forgot the name of the corporation, but they were dumping just piles and piles of waste from their company, um, miles from her home. And when she bought the home, this was not happening. Beautiful home, just so much land. She's got horses. The people of color in the community all have horses. Um, They love it. But the smell from that dumping ground. So she walked Soledad, and if you don't know who she is, she's a journalist. I don't recall uh, what station she works for at this point. I believe she used to work for CNN. And the closer they got to the dumping ground, um, Soledad started sneezing. Like she couldn't even breathe. But the woman, you know, she's kind of accustomed to it. But Soledad had an instant reaction. So just imagine this, you know, older woman the health conditions that she probably has, and she doesn't even know that she has it. And if she goes to a doctor that is subpar, which if you don't have good insurance, that's that's another thing for another podcast, your doctors are going to be subpar. And they're not even going to treat you accordingly. They may not even ask her, well, where do you live? Or you need to leave or you're inhaling toxins like they can't even get to the problem because they're not asking the right questions. California or the Midwest right now, they're going through a drought. (laughs) How does droughts? Of course, it affects everyone, right? It does. But it impacts people of color and low income people the most. Think about water, right? So I'm sure there's price gouging with the water. So water is more expensive. If you're low income, now it's hard for you to add that to your grocery bill when you're paying $8 for water because there is a drought. And the interesting thing is water bills go up during droughts as well. And people of color aren't even using as much water 
as the wealthiest people in their districts are. The ones with, you know, the swimming pools, the ones that have their um, water sprouts or whatever those things are called to come on automatically for their lawns. We pay the price for that. Isn't that interesting? Think about air quality. The oil and gas industry releases 9 million tons of methane gas. 9 million tons of methane gas. More than 1 million people of color live within one half mile of natural gas facilities. Over 1 million African Americans face risk of cancer due to unclean air. So it's not necessarily what you think it is that is causing the cancers in the African-American communities. It's the environment that's killing us disproportionately. And you may say, just get up and move. People don't have it like that, you know? Sometimes they've had generations in one house. They can't afford to move. They can't afford to pick up and move to a different place. Can't afford it. So at this point, it's imperative that we call for new policies on climate crisis. We have to emphasize the need for action within the black and brown communities that are affected most by the changing climate. I am a proponent, if you know me, of voting, voting in every election. Don't let, don't sleep on any of them because this matters. Your governor matters just as much as the president does. As a matter of fact, he matters, she matters more. We need more progressive governors, leaderships in local government if this is ever going to change, if the housing crisis is ever going to change, if the climate crisis is ever going to change, if environmental racism is ever going to change, if the attack on trans boys, trans girls, trans women, trans men, if that is ever going to change, if the pay wage gap is ever going to change, or let's say voter suppression is ever going to change, we have to continue to vote. Don't let them shut you down. Don't let them get you tired. Our ancestors died. And I'm not, that's not being hyperbolic. It's just a fact. Countless and countless stories. 350 people died in Selma, Alabama as they tried to register to vote. They were murdered by a white mob. 350. The first person to register to vote, and I believe it was Tennessee, his name was Maceo Snipes. When he got home, he was shot in the back for registering to vote to be the first black man in his county to register. He was shot in the back. The KKK would storm buses of people who were trying to get people registered to vote. White allies as well, lynching them. That is why there should not be one election that we are missing. If they are going to suppress our vote, we figure out ways to get it done. We have time to get it done. We have a year and a half to figure out 
what we need. Get your licenses straight. Get your driver's license straight. Get your birth certificate straight. Get your paperwork straight right now so that, so that we too can be protected under these laws. Because right now, these laws aren't protecting us. We're being left out. So that's my tirade about <laughs> environmental racism and climate injustice. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. No, I'm just joking. I did have one more quick story. No, it is not. Um, entertainment news because I don't know, you know, I'm just bad about that. Um, I, I think Prince Harry and his wife um, had their second child. That's entertainment news, right? So what I did want to talk about next though um, is um, specifically to Massachusetts because I was reading a story, um, a local story, four South Shore districts flagged as dispro- disproportionately putting black students in special education. And I wanted to talk about this really, really quick because this is a thing. And I know it's just not a thing of Massachusetts. I know it's a thing everywhere. So if they can't put us in jail, you know, immediately, or or let's say, so if they're not putting us in jail, if they're not killing us, If they're not trying to stop us from voting, they're trying to stop our education and they're starting with our black children. Pay attention, pay attention. So what they've been doing is if black, these four districts too, it's like Milton, Weymouth. um, I don't remember the other two. I want to say Hull or Hingham. These are predominantly white districts, let me tell you. So if the black students are not, and it's been a pandemic, performing what they call up to par. They've been putting them in special education. Do you know what happens with special education? The school gets money. So they're basically sacrificing the black students so that the school can get money. They're sacrificing our children. They don't want to do the work to teach our kids. And I've always said this. Our kids oftentimes need to be taught differently. Every child is not the same. Just like, you know, the climate is based on environment. So is teaching. So is your child's ability or a child's ability to learn or how they learn. It's different. A black boy doesn't necessarily learn the same as a white boy or a white girl. It's different. And I'm going to tell a personal story. Uh, Real quick, real quick. So my son, everyone knows (laughs) who knows me. You know, my son is. He is a bit lazy. So when he was in elementary school, I don't remember the grade, let's say, I don't know, second, third, fourth grade, something like that. The teachers kept coming to me and saying, you know, Oh, Cairo, we think he has ADHD. Um, he needs to be checked out. He needs to go into some special education. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about ADHD? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, he, this boy can literally be home and sit still. Like, ADHD, I think of someone who is bouncing off the walls, who can't sit still, who's just talking out of turn, who's all over the place. It's not my son. What it was, was these young teachers were having him sit on their laps. They were babying him, you know, and just, just babying him. And all along, 
he was going to take advantage of them babying him. So then when he started acting out, it was a big surprise. So instead of them wanting to find out, how can we teach him? What can we do to help him pay attention more in class? What can we do to help him want to do his homework? Right? What can we do? Because trust me, on my end, I was on top of him all the time, just like I am now. But then he would go to the school and act crazy. So what we had to do was, well, what I did was, I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. But even prior to that, I did go to the pediatrician and I'm like, what do you think? I don't think he has a problem, but I just wanted to double check with my pediatrician. Um, If you don't have a trusted pediatrician, you may not be able to trust what they say. I love my pediatrician. I have had her since the beginning of time and my youngest still goes to her and it's been over 20 years. And she said, he does not have ADHD. He absolutely does not. I've known him. He doesn't. So I know that story. Went back to the school. I am like, you will do your job. You will find a way to teach my son. I am going to help you find a way to teach my son. So I would sit down and have meetings to say, this is how he is. He will take advantage of you. He will lie if he forgot to do some homework or he didn't do all of his homework. He's not going to be forthright. He's not going to tell the truth. So, and also he was having a hard time. Okay, so for instance, they would get rewarded at the end of like um, a certain period of time. Like if they got, you know, turned in all their homework, did all the classwork, after a certain amount of time, they got to go to the merit store. They would get merit points. They go to the merit store and they would get to get something. So I told them, that's too long. He can't wait the three weeks to He's not going to, he's not going to turn in all of his homework, all of his classwork, be good in school for a whole three weeks straight. That's just not how, that's not how he's built. He has to have short-term goals. And every time he accomplishes a short-term goal, he's going to get more confidence. And then you can stretch it out like that. And that's exactly what we did. One week. He would turn in and he had someone sit with him to make sure. And they would report to me every single day. So every couple of days, I'm like, oh my God, Cairo, you did great. Here's a reward. And then at the end of the week, he would go to the merit store. So every week, instead of waiting so long, because he he's not a long-term goal, he didn't have that kind of patience. And we also figured out that school didn't have a gym because it was a new charter school. So he wasn't letting off enough energy throughout the day. So if he felt himself getting tired or if he felt himself falling off, all he could do was raise his hand. They would let him go to the nurse. He would do jumping jacks and then he would reenter the class and he would have just more energy to pay attention and to listen. Moral of the story and then I'm going to go. Please, please, please. Know your children, help your teachers or help their teachers know who your children are. Don't let them tell you who your kids are. 
Don't let them tell you that your kid has ADHD or that your child should be put on medication because that is the start. Once they start medication, it's hard for them to get off of that medication and then they become dependent on it. That is what they're doing to black and brown kids. Don't let it happen. Save your kids. Keep pushing your kids. Push these teachers to teach your kids. Don't let them take the easy way out. And with that being said, I am out. Everyone, have a great day. I love you. Thanks for coming. I'll see you um, in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you.